Hello and welcome to Talking to Leaders, the podcast where we extend the conversation around female entrepreneurship beyond the challenges and instead focus on positivity and the actions we can each take to drive change. I'm Katie Nagy-Denagy-Baxson, corporate partner at CMS. In today's episode, I'm talking to Alex Harris, founder of Adadot. Adadot is software that helps managers increase team well-being by analysing productivity and collaboration data. I'm also talking to Gabriella Hersham, co-founder of Huckletree. Huckletree provides a home for innovation in the UK and Ireland. Their spaces are themed by industry and sector for teams to work, collaborate and build their next venture in private offices, shared workspaces and collaboration zones. Thank you both for joining us today. Alex, starting with you, could you tell us a bit about Adadot? Hi, Katie. Thank you for the introduction. Um, as you mentioned, Adadot is a software that helps teams increase performance and well-being by analyzing productivity and collaboration data. Now, what does that mean? That essentially means that we plug into tools that teams are already using as part of their normal workflow, things like Slack, Google Workspace, Jira, GitLab. We take passive data that is emitted from these tools. We actually combine that data with active input into the platform from the user, things like feedback as to how they're feeling, how they're feeling their work is progressing, how they're feeling about collaboration. And then what we essentially do is by combining the two metrics, we give managers an idea um, around context for the team. Essentially that looks something like if we're moving faster, than we were anticipating or than we should. Why is that the case? Is it because collaboration has increased? Is it because people are spending more time working on the right things? Those types of questions. Thanks, Alex. And Gabby, lots of listeners will have heard of Huckletree and hopefully visited one of your sites. But for those who are uninitiated, could you tell us a bit about Huckletree, please? Of course I can, Katie, and thank you for having me uh, here with you today. So Huckletree is a workspace accelerator company. We build hubs uh, for the innovation ecosystem across London, Manchester and Dublin. All of our members are startups, scale-ups, corporate enterprise teams, uh, innovation units, venture funds and ecosystem service providers. And our hubs are themed around uh, groupings of industry which allows us to attract the most exciting businesses within each theme and really help them and support them on their growth journey, whether they are early stage or very large businesses. So at Leadhurst, we really like to focus on the positive because we think that's, you know, empowering and much more engaging than, you know, trying to think more about challenges. So I want to start off by asking you both what you're feeling positive about at the moment. Alex, can we start with you? Sure, Katie. Uh, we are at the moment raising. Uh, our round is going really, really fast. Um, it looks like we are quite a hot commodity in the market right now, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, it's it's a happy problem to have uh, essentially too many sources to choose funding from at the moment, which is which is great. That's amazing. Congratulations. We hear often, um, you know, the the sort of difficult side of fundraising and how hard it is. So it's always lovely when we hear that somebody is having a good experience of fundraising and it's going well. So so well done. Gabby, what about you? What are you feeling positive about? I mean, I'm just positive that we're able to get out of our houses again, to be honest. I think it's so nice to see London so busy um, after the, the past sort of 18 months. But but on a business perspective, I think um, what the what the pandemic has done for the flexible workspace sector is it's really um, 
driven demand up quite high. Uh, and obviously for us, we've been in the game since 2014. So to see that demand now being more exciting than it ever has been in the past is a really lovely positive, you know, after the, the, the kind of um, battle of the last year and a half. Alex, over the last 18 months, remote working has gone from really how startups structured their development teams and personally how I worked on a Friday to a, a concept that's been experienced intimately by every office worker in the country. Uh, we'll talk about what remote working means today in a little moment, but can you take us back to before COVID when you founded Adidot? What made you start a business that was focused on teams and productivity? Because it's obviously looking like a smart move now, but, you know, the business has been going for a while. So what was it that kind of spurred you on to, to start the business? Well, I have a really particular background, which is actually centered around uh, remote working. So um, after I graduated from, from university, I went into marketing. So I used to work for some of the biggest marketing agencies in the world by default. A lot of the work we were doing was essentially running projects across 35 different markets with 200 people involved at a time. So we were doing remote before that was cool, um, essentially. Um, and what that meant is that um, I was deeply aware of the issues that come with remote working. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about those in a while, but things like culture, things like uh, well-being, things like even visibility, I would say. Um, those were things that I had experienced for over 10 years. Um, and I had the idea to create um, Adadot essentially even before um, the, the COVID situation happened. It just so happened that when COVID hit, the, the kind of plans and remote working uh, were accelerated globally. But I do deeply think this was a trend long, long before um, essentially COVID hit. So um, I think we were on the path uh, to remote working. It just got we, we just got there faster. And so what is the difference that you're seeing now in terms of kind of who is interested in your product? Do you think that has changed since COVID, because obviously so many businesses that, you know, didn't have a majority of the workforce working remotely. I and mean, if you take CMS, most people worked in the office most of the time. And now they're having to grapple with this. So are you seeing that difference coming through in terms of kind of who's interested in your product? So one of the things that changed over time, I mean, initially back in kind of the beginning of 2020, we had a slightly different product um, and that was centered around resourcing for remote teams. Um, again, very much remote oriented. Um, but I would say one of the key pushbacks that we used to have was that, um, well, we don't think um, our team is going to be remote uh, and we don't believe in, in remote work or we don't believe in hybrid ways of working. Um, that was when we started doing some customer development back in 2019. So I'm talking quite a while ago. Um, I think the biggest change that we've seen is people getting comfortable with the idea of remote working. Um, and on the one hand, the employers think they can make it work uh, now, much more versus before. Um, and the other aspect is the employees themselves. Uh, before, um, it would be something like a huge privilege to be able to work remotely or flexibly, um, you know, maybe once a week if you were lucky, if you were senior enough in a lot of the businesses that we speak to. But now that's a given um, or it has been a given for the past kind of year and a half. So um, I think... It's basically one of those black swan situations that completely changes the market, completely changes the perception about what is possible and what is desirable as well. 
Gabby, bringing you into the conversation, you were almost in the opposite position when um, COVID hit because Huckletree, you know, historically has been about physical presence. What impact has COVID had on on Huckletree? And, um, you know, more importantly, now that the restrictions are lifted, how is COVID kind of changing the Huckletree communities? You mentioned earlier that, you know, interest in shared workspaces is increasing. Um, Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, of course. So so I think the first thing that I would say is that during COVID, uh, obviously, we kind of shifted. And I remember at the time we we used this phrase, um, we shifted from a, a community uh, in place to a community in time. And so we kind of shifted everything virtually. And and it was quite a challenge, to be honest, um, not only because our core uh, business took such a hit, but also it was just challenging to kind of mobilize ourselves quickly enough to make everything virtual and to really think about how we could innovate our way through a year where people were not going into work and people didn't want to pay for workspace. Um, And so what that saw was actually an exciting year for us. I think we rose to the challenge. I'm really proud of what we did. And we really focused on digital education, um, our accelerator program, Hackletree Alpha, which we made uh, completely digital for the very first time and welcome startups from around the world. Uh, and then we put on a very large uh, scale, which obviously CMS were involved in sustainability event called Earthrise uh, uh, earlier this year, actually. And I think what we're seeing now that life is starting to go back to normal is that these are still crucial parts of our business, um, which is really exciting and, and has opened up new opportunities for us that we are very passionate about. Um, but we're obviously also now seeing our core business come back to life again. So with that, the need for us to kind of streamline our ops and our processes whilst remaining, and I think this is really important for us, a really exciting challenger brand within the sector. So in terms of our communities, the shift has now gone from online to back in person again, which is so exciting. And it is so great to walk into our hubs and to see them full of energy, buzzing, to see all of our members that we haven't seen in person you know, for a while, and, and to welcome new businesses. So we've welcomed over 200 new businesses since the start of this financial year to the Huckletree community across our hubs. Um, And so to meet these businesses and to see how they are now using the workspace is really exciting and it's quite different. So there are a lot of um, much larger scale ups that are now coming to us uh, for their workspace solutions because obviously they're not bringing in the full team on any given day. Um, And so looking for more flexibility uh, and an all in service to do that. And so we're really, you know, we're really happy and thrilled to be able to, to welcome some really exciting business names into our community as well. Like you, Gabby, I am so excited to uh, see people and to be out and and back in the world. And I'm based in London and I think London is just, you know, it's wonderful when it's full of people and it it felt a bit soulless when it was empty and there was no one around. So I I definitely share your excitement about getting people back together. Um, What what is it that makes someone leave their kitchen table or their spare room and, and come and work in you know, what must be a kind of noisy shared space? What's your secret ingredient to a great co-working space? I think that's a great question. The first thing um, is, is that I think what's obvious is that uh, workers coming back to the workspace today need to be welcomed with a really exciting uh, workplace experience. Um, But I think that in terms of what we do at Huckletree, you know, I'd like to shift 
the conversation away from what makes one of our spaces exciting to what makes Huckletree as a wider company exciting. It's, it's kind of shifting it away from the four walls of any space and actually the really exciting thing for us and what we're trying to build is in is in our in our in our wider ecosystem. So when you come to Huckletree, it's not only about the businesses and the people that you'll meet in the space, although that will be exciting and the team that will welcome you will be best in class and really passionate about what you're building as well. Um, but more about okay, Huckletree has an, an ambassador program of a hundred ambassadors around the world. Uh, Huckletree has a um, an investor network. Who can Huckletree introduce me to that may be in London, they may be in Dublin, or they may be in America um, or elsewhere? And that, for me, is our kind of secret source. It's really all about the people uh, in our community, starting from our teams, but going much wider uh, around the world and into the ecosystem. So you're really focusing on that value add that you can um, bring now. And interesting that you're talking about that internationally, because obviously one of the things that COVID has done is I think it's made so many more people look internationally because, you know, when you're doing everything virtually, um, you know, you have access to to, to more people. Um, Alex, you um, mentioned culture and collaboration. How do you think collaboration builds culture or, you know, turning that on its head? How do you ensure that when teams are remote that you still build and retain culture? Um, I would say there's two key components. Um, one is visibility. So being able to understand and have data on, on what's working and what's not from a cultural perspective. This is where essentially uh, tools like partly like Adadot, but also things like surveys can come into place and be very, very handy in order to get the data set to then allow you to make any changes should you need to do those. Um, and the other thing is serendipity. So this is one of the hardest things to replicate remotely. Like you don't just bump into each other in the kitchen or the water cooler moments that are, are really, really tricky to actually reproduce. But um, it's going to sound a little bit counterintuitive, but the way we we do this in Adadot is to actually schedule time, essentially like a couple of hours on a Friday with no set agenda, just for the team to get together uh, and talk about memes, jokes. I mean, I know all of our engineering teams absolutely loves metal, so metal music. So in some cases, we'll you know we'll have a playlist that's curated. Uh, we'll get to, to chat about um, the musicians that they like. Um, and stuff like that. So it sounds a little bit scheduled, but what we find is that it works for us. Um, and it's a good way to just tell people, you know what, these two hours, don't feel like you need to talk about work. This is kind of like a no works zone. We're gonna sit around the, the round virtual table and just discuss anything that's you know on the top of your mind. So you're effectively giving people license to kind of hang out online. I like that, I think that's, um, that's interesting. And it, it's funny you say that because we did the same thing in my team. Um, every Friday at 11 o'clock, we had um, a call with our team just to hang out and kind of chat um, to get that human kind of element that's, um, that's really hard to, well, you, you miss if you're, if you're all virtual. Gabby, how does Huckletree encourage collaboration? You mentioned some of the fantastic things you're doing, which are really exciting. Which of those are kind of focused on collaboration or is there something else that you're doing? 
So I think that um, all of the things that we are doing are ultimately to encourage collaboration. When we introduce members to our ambassadors or when we make introductions to our investor program, ultimately the, all the goals are, are to in introduce two people or two parties who can ultimately collaborate in some way, whether that's in terms of business collaboration or business development or um, something like mentorship. But but ultimately everything we do is really focused on, on collaboration and we actually have internal KPIs and OKRs around how many um, qualitative introductions we make uh, every quarter. But we also do um, a lot of other things just to really get our teams meeting each other um, and knowing who they are. And I think the the thing that I'm really excited about right now is we have a um, an event series that we launched last quarter called Huckletree Town Hall, where every quarter we ask each one of our member businesses to send a representative into the town hall. And that representative can be the CEO or it can be an intern turn um, or anyone in between and what we do in those meetings is people are welcome to kind of share their business updates we share some of the most exciting updates from the businesses within our community whether those are fundraising updates uh, or anything else um, and it's a really great way of getting everybody to know each other and know who the other businesses are in the community because I think that's the very first thing is that visibility and without that, it's really hard to encourage collaboration, especially when you have lots of different hubs across different markets. So town hall is something that I'm really excited about. But really, I think everything at Huckletree, everything that we're building is really ultimately focused on bringing about that collaboration. Because without that, I think we're just walls and desks and seats. And that's really far away from, from where we see the value that we can bring. Gabby, can you tell us a bit more about the Ambassador Programme? What's that trying to achieve and who have you got on it? With pleasure. It's actually one of my um, kind of passion areas within the business. So the Ambassador Programme started out um, in our very early days as a way for us to demonstrate the value that we could bring to our members um, and to and to really kind of give a kind of feedback approach uh, a, a give back approach to our members whereby they would have access to people that they might not have had access to otherwise over the years it's it's grown we've really focused it on um, creating a really exciting but small group versus having many more ambassadors who um, where, where the focus you know on that on the individual probably wouldn't have been as strong and now we have a group of 100 uh, entrepreneurs operators and investors from around the world who are really leading the way in their industries and how they are involved in Huckletree is they meet our members for uh, mentorship they participate in our accelerator program and in our other educational programs they give workshops they, um, they, they make introductions of their own accord for business development between our members. And they're really just very, very involved in, um, in the different businesses within our community. For them, it is an opportunity to meet a great group of ambassadors, a great group of people around the world. Um, and I think for all of us, it's really important that we have our own kind of peer groups that we can turn to and that we can share resources and share um, advice and support with. So, so it's a it's a kind of two way process where our members receive a lot of benefit from the ambassador program, but but hopefully the ambassadors um, do too. I mean, I think it sounds fantastic, and there is so much said about how 
important mentorship and sponsorship is, you know, in all professions and all walks of life, really. Um, but it's something in particular we hear for founders. The most successful founders will often have a group of people who have been championing them all the way through their venture and have been able to give them that advice. Alex, have you had the benefit of any good mentors or um, are you involved in kind of um, those sorts of peer support networks? I would say that's one of the things that we did right from the very, very beginning. Um, and we have benefited from a huge, huge amount of support. So um, a good example is our mentor, Jane Gilson. So she is uh, the ex-CEO um, for Microsoft in Germany, ex-head of sales for Google. A uh, fantastic person to speak about, uh, go to market with. Um, we got investors like Charlie Songhus, who is a fantastic angel uh, to have on board. We have other types of advisors um, who help us with things like AI on our platform, such as you know the head of AI for Booking.com. And we've also been through a few accelerators who have been fantastic. Um, we've been through Startup Leadership Program. Uh, we've been through, well, we're actually part of um, um, NASDAQ's Center uh, for Entrepreneurship's uh, Milestone Makers Program. Uh, we're also part of um, GrowF, which is uh, the largest female um, accelerator in Europe. And last but not least, uh, it's been amazing to be part of um, CMS Equip. Um, it's, it's, been a, it's been a fantastic way to, to get legal support uh, and other types of support as well. So I, I have to say it's one of the things that, uh, as I said, we did, we did right from, from the very early days. That's very kind of you, um, Alex. And actually, um, we think mentoring is really important. Uh, I'm going to put a plug in for um, our next episode on the podcast, which is um, going to be on um, mentoring. And I'm speaking to um, someone from Career Ready. So um, do tune in for that one. So moving on to the new world of work and this new hybrid world we're in where some people are working from the office, some people are working remotely and we don't have teams all in the same place at the same time. One of the things that I'm particularly concerned about is that we don't end up with people who are excluded, people who are not benefiting from what's going on when people are together or what's going on offline um, or online. What do you two think is uh, some of the things that we should be doing to ensure that hybrid working works? I think that's a really important point. And I think, you know, what we do know is that um, women and primary caregivers for children and also um, the more introverted group of our workforces are the, are the ones that are likely most likely to kind of stay at home the most, which means that they could be left behind when it comes to uh, promotions and discussions around uh, compensation raises, etc. And I think I do think it's really important that businesses now um, recognize that and build around it and optimize for making sure that everybody has access to be in the same room uh, as each other, whether those rooms are physical rooms or virtual rooms. And, and sometimes things are um, are fixable I think with process so if you have a process where um, performance reviews happen across the group and managers have to check in with each team member even if it's for a 15 minute virtual in-person coffee every week you just make sure that everybody has access to build the same relationships um, 
so I think that we um, we're very cognizant of that and we're really trying to to build for that. And I think also for us as our business grows, we have a lot more people across the business who um, who have children. And we also give a benefit that when uh, a parent has a child, if they are a primary caregiver, they can work a four day week on full pay until the child turns one. And if they're a secondary caregiver, they can do the same thing for the first three months. It's a really lovely benefit. As a mother myself, I um, I wish that I had had that. We actually kind of put the benefit in place afterwards. Um, but 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 the issue again is is when it comes to managing teams where not everybody is working full time, and again making sure that everybody has access to the same converse, conversations, opportunities, uh, but also the same information. So I think that what is happening now is a big shift and just something that businesses need to be cognizant of and need to be building around. And Alex, I mean, technology has got to be part of the answer to this, because I think, you know, what, what Gabby's saying there is, you know, you've got to ensure that you are including everyone and actually technology is a way to include everyone because you know you can have technology that works alongside people being physically present exactly i mean our stance is around visibility so making sure that you're consciously present and you you maintain an eye on the right data um, and you have the ability to see when things are changing, you, you have the ability to see when people are struggling. I think that's one of the biggest problems that we solve. Um, you know, back in the day, if you think about a manager working into an office, you would be able to see from physical cues um, whether people were, were okay, whether people were um, having problems, whether people were staying late. Uh, this is less visible. Um, the more remote and the more distributed you are. So what we do as a technology company is we come in to provide visibility and context. Um, and I think that's that's key. And we don't do that just from the perspective of whether somebody is struggling or not. We also do that from a perspective of somebody who has, for example, different working patterns. Uh, you know, some people do prefer the flexibility of, of working at night, for example, which wouldn't have been really possible with, with working in an office and having a set nine to five. So from that perspective, we provide a way for companies to be more inclusive and make sure that they accommodate for workers that have a slightly different way of addressing their day or potentially a slightly different way of, of working and, and potentially different kind of working pattern uh, to everybody else. So uh, I think that's, um, that's really key. From a broader uh, perspective, it's, it's important to have intent as a business and know that remote working or flexible working or hybrid working, however you want to call it, is something that you want to embrace and something that you want to address both from a challenge perspective, but also from a benefit perspective. So I think, you know, you don't, you don't, you can't afford to be a wish, wishy-washy about it. You can't just say, well, you know, let's, let's see how it works and we'll address it when it, when it comes. I, I don't think businesses can afford to do that anymore. I think it's really interesting that both of you have used multiple times the word visibility. And, um, but that's interesting when we're talking about someone being remote and we're not talking about physical visibility. We're talking about, you know, almost being cognizant of people. Um, and I think you're, you're absolutely right, Alex, that you can't just hope that this, that this is going to, you know, work. You've got to be conscious over it. I really like the idea, Gabby, of having those kind of that, that process around it, because, um, although nobody really likes process, you know, if you have a process 
hopefully people follow it and hopefully you'll get the, the benefit of, of that. So um, I, think that, I think all of that's quite interesting. As part of the CMS Equip Lead Hairs initiative, we're encouraging everyone who comes onto the podcast to commit to one positive action, whether that's something big or something small, that will support female founders. So I'm going to ask each of you to give me a commitment, please, something that you personally will do over the next year to support female founders in technology. Alex, can I come to you first? Yes, so I'm part of, uh, as I mentioned, GrowF, which is a female founder accelerator. So for me, my goal would be to help two more female founders with uh, their goals specifically as they relate to marketing. Um, my background has been in marketing for over 10 years, working for some of the biggest companies um, on the planet. So I want to use that knowledge uh, and experience to help another founder, another female founder, essentially, to... Um, you know, achieve their own goals and their own targets. I love that you've given me a smart commitment, um, you know, the specific, measurable, achievable, etc. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, Gabby, what um, positive action are you going to take? So I, um, I feel very strongly that it's important to help uh, all founders who have less access uh, and not just female founders. Obviously, as a female founder myself, it rings very true to me, but I'm also very aware that there are other founders with protected characteristics who may not be female founders. Um, and so my commitment is through uh, Huckletree Alpha, which is our accelerator program, which is going to be, la we're launching our ninth cohort. Um, applications are opening in the beginning of January, is that we will be supporting um, up to seven businesses um, and the founders behind those businesses in helping them um, with a pro bono accelerator program that helps them get towards raising their uh, seed round of fundraising. That's fantastic, Gabby. And I'm completely behind you with the fact that uh, it's not just um, women who need support. Absolutely. Um, you know, we always I think we very much believe at CMS that often if you um, do something that is aimed at supporting women, actually, it's just supportive and good for everyone. Um, so that, that's a great um, uh, action. Thank you very much. Thank you to Alex from Adadot and Gabby from Huckletree for joining us today. If you would like more information on Adadot, then you can find out more at adadot.com. If you'd like to learn more about Huckletree and have a tour of their spaces, please visit huckletree.com. Finally, if you'd like to hear more about CMS's startup programme Equip or our female founders initiative Lead Hers, go to the startup section of cms.law. Mm -hmm.